Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Paul Zolman has been a CFO of a public company and currently does merchant services. As a love language linguist, Paul has searched for answers to love all of his life and came up with a tool for love that has changed his life and his business. You're probably wondering, what does all this stuff about love have to do with business? Well, I'm so glad you asked because you will want to tune into this episode where we talk about optimizing relationships. Hey there, Paul. Welcome to the Boost Podcast. Thank you, Kelly. Nice to be here with you. Yes, yes. So for folks who are hearing your name for the first time, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm Paul Zolman. I uh, grew up in a family uh, that uh, was not so kind, but I think that was more of a generational thing that was passed on from grandparents or great-grandparents. I don't know how far back it went, but it was more an abusive type of of childhood. Mm -hmm. And in that type of childhood, I learned what not to do first before I learned what what to do. And actually, I thought I was a really good kid growing up. I grew up between two girls. I'm number 10 of 11 children. I'm the thorn between two roses is what I like to say, because by the time, you know, my mother had told my father at the when he came home after work on on Fridays, by the time he she got down to number ten, he was already already pretty mad. And so so I felt like I got a brunt of a lot of stuff that my brothers did that maybe they didn't get the brunt of just because of the pecking order and where where I sat. My father uh, lovingly dated my mother every single Friday. I don't know what ever know of a day that he ever missed on Friday taking my mother out was very consistent that way, but it wasn't very creative. It was always the Maverick bar, always over alcohol. And as he's getting imbibed, you know, my mother's telling about her week and how things went and what all the kids did. Like I said, imagine her starting at the oldest, going down to the youngest. Mm-hmm. By the time he gets to me, it's he's he's ready to pop a cap. You know, he's gonna he's gonna blow. He's ready to to get there, and and that was very difficult growing up. The only way I figured out how to escape that was to move away. So when I'm 17 years old, I moved to and, and lived with my brother. My brother is an oldest brother. He was trying to, his very best to be a good father, but I found he had very similar properties that my father had, and then I found out I had them later, that we'd be annoyed at something, mm-hmm. we'd be annoyed, we'd be annoyed, and then we'd flash. We'd just mm-hmm. have these anger flashes. And it came to came to a point that you know, I, you, know, you start doing it in public and you're really embarrassed. It's like tearing up a piece of paper into little tiny pieces, throwing it to the wind, and now you got to collect all those little pieces of paper. Where are they all going? How are you ever going to get that back? Those angry words that you send out, how are you ever going to get that back? And so by doing that, uh, I, I just became embarrassed. My family was embarrassed for me. And this kind of repels people. And I realized what was happening. Oh, I don't want to repel people. I want them to come to me. And I thought, well, I got to change kind of this this generational thing. We all learn from what our parents did. And so mm-hmm. the generational thing that's passed down 
somehow at some point in time, we've got to take responsibility ourselves and change that generational thing. And so I decided that age 35, I was responsible. And I guess I had to. It was kind of necessity was the mother of invention. I had to decide that I was was responsible. My father had been dead already seven years, and I was still blaming him for all these social awkwardness, all the all the relationship issues I was having with my family. And I believe that even this awkwardness, this stacking of annoyances and flashing was probably uh, contributory to the demise of my first marriage. My wife and I had eight children. And after after we divorced, I, I had pr- primary custody of the ch- children that remained in the home. There were just five left in the home at the time, just five. And um, uh, so I, I had custody of them when I would, uh, when it was her weekend to have the children, I decided I had a bright idea. I was going to do destination dating where mm. I would find somebody online. They live in a different city. I live in a different city. We'd pick a city to meet in and we'd have a date. Mm-hmm. I did that for a year and a half, had a great time, traveled all over the place, but but Kelly was like looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm. Didn't find anything. It didn't work out. I thought I had a line on somebody that was going to work out. So I moved from South Carolina to Phoenix. And I'm here in Phoenix. I was there in Phoenix um, living there. And my sister calls me up and she she describes me as very lonely, my older sister, and that she was going to introduce me to her neighbor. Well, she was living seven hours away, Kelly. I didn't want to travel anymore. I was done with that destination <laughs> dating. Uh-huh. It, was, it was over. I wasn't going to do it. So I thought, I got a plan. I can I can placate my sister and just say, well, I'll email her. And so that's what I did. What kind of relationship can you develop but email? And so it w- worked out wonderfully. Actually, this person, her neighbor was a great writer. And it was, you know, back and forth. And it's funny stuff like, well, how many times have you been married? And how many times have you been married? And, and when I asked her the question, she wrote back and said, you mean counting the five that are buried in my backyard? Oh, just, my goodness. Okay. This humor like that, that just right. uh, kind of sets you off off balance a little bit. It was just hilarious humor that, you know, she didn't have five five men buried in her backyard. But it just it was just fun like that, just back and forth a little bit. And so we got closer through email, amazingly got closer through email. And then I started going up to visit, even seven hours away. I started making the visit. Then I decided to move up to where my sister is at. And that's where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. But uh, it came time that the relationship had progressed even a little bit farther. And so it's time for big brother approval. When you're number 10 of 11, you need big sister and you need big brother approval. And so time to take this woman up to my brother, uh, 300 miles north. And first thing that happened, I take her in. My sister-in-law pulls her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I said, "Uh uh-uh, denied it. Then I said, then it made me mad. And I thought, huh, she nailed it. And I kind of of stepped right into that trap, didn't I? Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, if there's an opportunity to change that perception of the Zolman family, now was the time. No better time than now. So I started reading the color code, and I started reading the five love languages, and I really Mm -hmm. liked the principles of the five love languages Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Dr. Gary Chapman was a reverend. He said that they reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. 
I'm Christian. I wanted to be a little bit more. I thought if I could be a little bit more, this might be the path to go to start practicing them. Well, I didn't get it, Kelly. And I'm, I'm and, and maybe it's from where I came from. Mm-hmm. But but if, I, if I'm supposed to guess, Kelly, what your love language is and then cater to that, you're calling that love? Well, I'm a bad guesser. It's not going to happen. And it's just <laughs> it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, huh. Well, then Dr. Chapman has another remedy in the book that, well, if I take this survey, I can find out what my love language is. Right, right. Well, what am I supposed to do with that, Kelly? Advertise? Hello, Kelly. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? That's not love either. Uh-huh. I didn't get it. I did, especially from my background, growing up, learning what anger was, all that. It didn't fit. This love language stuff did not fit with, with where I came from. So I didn't get it, but I like the principles. I still like the principles. I read the book four or five times. But if you would have offered me a million dollars to say, name all five love languages after I read the book four or five times, I'd lose. I would not. I would not. Maybe I could get three, but probably not all five. Mm-hmm. So I went through the books, but the book really didn't go through me. Yeah. Really didn't resolve anything within me. So I, I had an idea. So I contacted Dr. Chapman. I said, Dr. Chapman, are you um, licensing those little pictures, the little icons, mm-hmm. each one of the love languages? His attorney wrote me back and said, no, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful. They're, I mean, they're, they're dated. They were kind of ugly. And now I wanted to make my own. So I went to an attorney close by. I said, what can I do about this? I have this idea. He said that theory, like the love language theory, mm-hmm. not copyrightable. Right. Application is. Yeah. So so he said, so I, I was permitted to and did make my own icons, and then I put it on a cube. So I have the cube right here with me today. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the cube on your website, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, and so- I would love to, so yeah, so even in the context of love, because of course, uh, human nature oftentimes is to think of love in the context of a, of a personal relationship. Um, but there's also love. You can love a neighbor many different ways. And so in business, we talk about this whole notion of, okay, well, what does the role, do, what role does love play in business? So from your perspective, what I would, what I would appreciate knowing is, okay, let's talk about love in the context of, of business. So what role does love play in business? But then as an entrepreneur, how can we practice love daily? I think that a- it's a great, great question, Kelly, and I think that that really absolutely applies in business. And you know, I've I've looked up a lot of things, and it says that the Dr. Chapman's books mostly about romantic love. Yes, I'm I'm just here to tell you that it really just as you said, Kelly, it applies in in every situation. And so, what I started doing was rolling the die every day and pra- practice giving away that love language all day that day. And so what you're watching for, even in a business situation, what you're watching for is people to light up. When you can make somebody's day, whether it's a customer, whether it's a coworker, whether it's the president of the company, it doesn't matter who it is. When you can make somebody's day, that engenders good feelings within the workplace. After 30 days of rolling the die, I became what I like to call a love language linguist. It's definitely something, Kelly, I can see that you want that on your resume. You want to put that you want that title. Everybody wants that title. It's a sexy title. I don't I don't blame you. But if you have that on your resume, just think of going to that employer and they're gonna say, What the heck is a love language linguist? And you're gonna say, 
I just love people. Yeah. They, they want their customers loved and they want a loving environment within the workplace. Your resume should rise to the top just because of that one very thing that you have become this loving person, that person that spreads love all day long. And that's one thing I learned about this, Kelly, is that I don't have what was annoying me is, is, is things other people were doing. Nothing I did was annoying me. I'm, I'm, you know, I was thinking, you know, I had the confidence I was, I was okay. But it's a kind of the reverse blame thing. What they were doing wasn't okay. And that annoyed me. I realized I had zero control over what someone else did. Right. And once I realized that, then I learned what my lane was. There's mm-hmm. little boundaries here. I can only give love away and respond when it comes my way. And I think that employees can do the same thing. They have a responsibility. If they stay in their lane, within their job title lane, they -hmm. stay in their lane of of sending love out however they can within the workplace with compliments, with with the high fives, the fist bumps, the the, uh, complicated handshakes, whatever they want to do and send it out appropriately, that it's going to be, they're going to be kind of a catalyst for that good feeling in the workplace. And that's going to boost productivity. Think of how much productivity is lost of people with people that are just trying to climb a ladder, uh, the corporate ladder, and just doing um, nefarious things, maybe passive aggressive type things that might diminish any production. You don't want that. You absolutely don't want that. You want love. Love helps one another. And uh, and that that passive aggressive, that anger type thing does not. And I like to uh, compare it with uh, maybe a spectrum. The other day I was out walking and I found found this stick. The stick doesn't have any bark on it at all. Very nice stick. It's very nice and smooth on this side. On this side, though, it's got little points here and maybe uh, maybe there was a, a, a twig or something connected to it. But this side has knots on it. I'm going to call this side the naughty side mm-hmm. and the nice side. It's the same kind of stick that Santa Claus has. That's where your presents come from at Christmas time, Kelly. You know that. Mm-hmm. So this naughty and nice stick, if you put anger on that naughty side of the stick, all there's a whole culture there. There's a whole there's a joking system. There's there's humor. There's there's put downs. There's all that. If we understand where those type of behaviors belong on that naughty and nice stick, we're, we're going to have better business relations if we stay on the nice side of the stick where there's the love languages, there's kind humor, humor that doesn't put anybody down, but it's just plain out funny. It's hilarious. Some some of the situations, the way people look at situations can be hilarious, but they're not yeah. putting anybody down in that particular situation. That's what we're talking about in a workplace. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I know one of the things that we always like for our listeners to walk away with as they're listening to each episode is some practical, actionable step that they can take in order to sort of integrate or embody what they may be hearing. And so in your story, what I was hearing was a story of transformation. And so I would be curious to know what like sort of one piece of advice would you give to our listening community as it pertains to this transformation? Because this doesn't just happen overnight. Like you said, you know, you were raised in a household where perhaps anger um, was the emotion that, um, you know, sort of sort of fueled the household. So how would you, what is that one piece of sort of practical advice or guidance that you would give to someone who's looking to transform, to move further away from points of anger to embody more loving 
behavior? Probably the best advice, and it's a great question, Kelly. Probably the best advice I would give was to compare it to a magnifying glass. You see a magnifying glass, it w- makes things bigger. Mm. If you are focusing on the mistakes people make and making them bigger, that's going to increase. That's going to that's going to be what you see. You're going to see more of that. And I learned this with my children that when we focused on th- behavior that they were doing wrong, that behavior became actually a larger problem than it was pre- previously. And I realized that by focus on the good things, and you can do this in a workplace, absolutely in a workplace. Focus on the good things that people are doing, and then if you have to correct somebody, say you might want to try it this way. And just just make suggestions for them, but focus on what's good about people. And I like the the last thing I'll leave with you here is that the, I like the word namaste. Mm. It's at the end of a yoga class, and it doesn't mean hey, all classes all over. It doesn't really mean that. The Hindu interpretation of that Sanskrit dialect of northern India is that it means the God in me mm. sees the God in you, mm. or the divine in me sees the divine in you. If we can get to that mindset that we're watching for the good things about people, we're get we're getting to a place where we can have better relations at work, at home, at play, anywhere we're at, we can have better relations. And I think that's probably the best thing I can leave with your with your audience today, Kelly, is that we want to get to that point where we see the good in each one of us and we magnify that good instead of magnifying the bad. Don't follow the lead of the media. Follow follow this lead that you're going to magnify and follow namaste. Namaste in everything you do and say, look for the good and the divine in others. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. If folks are listening and they want to either grab your book or grab a hole of those magical love dice and become their own love linguist, what's the best way for them to, to sort of reconnect with you? Thank you, Kelly. That's the best way to connect is at my website, rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love. R-O-L-E changes you inside. You roll the dice outside, R-O-L-L. So it's kind of a play on words that way. But rolloflove.com, the book, the die, there's a journal uh, as well. If those, if you want to keep track of what you, what you, opportunities you saw to love in that way, I would love to have a love journal like that from my mother. But that's something that you can also have. You can get the bundle of those three for $29.99. It's on special right now between now and Christmas. Great gifts for weddings. A lot of weddings coming up. Great way to start the family off with a love, a, a intentionally loving every single day. Rolloflove.com. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Paul. And absolutely what the world needs now is love, sweet love. So I love thank that. you for your time. Thank you, Kelly. Well, that concludes this episode of The Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com.